How many of you are going to shout when you get there? How many of you are going to lift your voice when you get there? How many of you say, I don't want to wait. I want to shout tonight. I want to praise Him tonight. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. What a day. What a day of rejoicing that is going to be. You know, we love coming to Wednesday night church and Sunday morning and Sunday night because it's an escape from this world and we get to come in here and enjoy the presence of God. But what a day that's going to be when we get over there and we don't ever have to worry about coming back to this place again. We don't ever have to worry about a Monday morning ever again. Amen. We get to be in heaven and rejoice. Amen. And I love to hear the sound of people praising God. But what a sound that's going to be on that great getting up morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being faithful to the house of God tonight. Amen. We're going to get into the word of God. But before we do, I have a question. I want to know how many of you like to lose. I didn't see too many raise your hands. You know, a lot of winning and losing comes with perspective. There was a young man one time and he was out in a field and he was had a bat in one hand and a ball in the other and he'd throw the ball up in the air and he'd swing and he's out there talking to himself and he said, it's the bottom of the night, base is loaded, we're down by three and I'm up to the plate and he's throwing the ball up and swings and he misses and strike one, he throws the ball up in the air, strike two, throws the ball up in the air and swings again this time with all he had and thinking he was going to get a hold of the ball, he just swung right through it again and Strike three, you're out. Woohoo! And was all excited. And somebody who saw him said, I thought you were hitting. He said, Yeah, well, I'm an awfully good pitcher, too. So sometimes winning and losing is the perspective you're taking on the situation and how you're going to determine to look at it. Amen? Tonight, if you would, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're going to bounce around in some scriptures, but we'll fill in the gaps. Here in just a little bit, but Deuteronomy chapter 1. If you've been a part of our small group meetings going on around here lately, and you'll know what's going on while you're turning. Our children are going to slip out quietly. Amen. Kids' church tonight. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 1. We'll begin reading at verse 20. It says, and I said, this is Moses speaking, I said unto you, ye are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it. As the Lord God of thy father hath said unto thee, fear not, neither be discouraged. And ye came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land, and bring us word again, by what way we must go up, and to what cities we shall come. And it goes on to talk about the report that came back, and how the enemy was so much larger than they were, and the walls and the cities were so large, and just, they felt like grasshoppers, is what Numbers tells us, and Skipping down to verse 29, it says, Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you, according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. You saw it, you experienced it, he did it for you. But as for you, in verse 40, Turn you and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Well, a lot has transpired here in these few verses. When you thought victory would be theirs, now God is telling them that they need to turn around and they need to walk away and they need to begin wandering in the wilderness. Verse 41, Then ye answered and said unto me, We have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight according to all that the Lord our God commanded us. And when ye had girded on every man his weapon of war, you were ready to go up into the hill. 
And the Lord said unto me, Say unto them, Go not up, neither fight, for I am not among you, lest ye be smitten before your enemies. So I spake unto you, and ye would not hear, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord, and went presumptuously up into the hill. And the Amorites which dwelt in that mountain came out against you, and chased you as bees do, and destroyed you in Seir, even unto Hormah. And ye returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord would not hearken to your voice, nor give ear unto you. So ye abode in Kadesh many days according unto the days that ye abode there. Today, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject, How to Win a Losing Battle. How to Win a Losing Battle. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Lord, we love you so much. God, we thank you for your presence that we have already felt in this place. God, we thank you, Lord, that you have brought us worshipers, God, into your house together. God, that we may lift you up and glorify your name. Lord, right now I pray that you would move in this place. God, anoint these lips of clay tonight to deliver your word. God, we praise you in advance for the work you're going to do in this place tonight. And we give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You can be seated. It's amazing to see a people that God had done so much for and God even was using Moses to remind them what God was fixing to do. And he said, and you saw what he did for you in Egypt. Even then, he was bringing to remembrance all that God had done. But these people, they, they're people of God, and, and they're like us a lot of times. As much as God does for us, sometimes we often can forget, but... I think I can stand here today and confidently say that I don't think there is anyone in here who likes to lose. Unless we're talking about weight, and then it's a different story. We don't like losing games. We don't like losing hair. We don't like losing our marbles. When we get older, we don't like losing our big people teeth. We don't like losing battles, and we definitely do not like losing in life. But most of us have lived long enough to hear the words, Well... You win some, and you lose some. And to the competitive person in the room, that is a phrase you do not want to hear. But to a person who has experienced a lot of tragedy and someone who has experienced a life of losses, you are thankful to know that there are opportunities where you can win some. You're thankful that there are days where you can wake up and know everything's going to be all right. There are days where you can wake up and know the person next door isn't going to holler at you as soon as you walk out your front door. Vince Lombardi said, winning is a habit, but unfortunately so is losing. While those words may sting, we have found truth to these words. But the more frustrating thing about losing is the frustrating of fighting so hard and giving everything you've got and losing. It'd be one thing if you went out there and you didn't put forth any effort and you didn't try and you didn't do anything to be a victor. And at the end of the day, you lost because you'd go home saying, well, I didn't really do anything to help me win. But if you gave your blood, sweat and tears and you see these men who go to the Olympics and they're fighting for their country and they've put in hours and hours and hours of practice and training and they only get the opportunity once every few years to even get to this place and you see them work so hard and fight and battle to do all that they can for their country, all to fall apart at the last second and fail and lose. And you see grown men cry tears of sadness because they feel like they have let their country down, their family down. They feel like they've let the world down by them losing. Losing is not something that we enjoy, but it is a part of life. It's what do we call fighting a losing battle. Anybody ever fought a losing battle before? No matter how much you do, no matter how much you say, at the end of the day, it's, you get to the place where you're like, why am I even trying? Why am I even putting forth my efforts? Sometimes we come into the house of God and sometimes we feel like we're fighting a losing battle. 
God, I've prayed about this for months. I've fasted. I've talked to counselors. I've talked to my pastor. I've talked to people who are close to me, my friends and family, and I just cannot seem to get out of this situation. It seems like I am fighting a losing battle. You swing with all that you have and you move all you want to. You punch, you run, you kick, you fight. But at the end of the day, if you don't have what it takes, you lose. So many live in fear of failing and so they choose not to even try. They're just scared that if I even give a little bit, if I try to put forth an effort, I'm going to lose anyway, so I'm not even going to attempt to do anything. Someone once said, well, they say winning isn't everything, and I've decided to take their word for it. What a tragedy to live your life just content being plain old nobody who doesn't want to try, don't want to succeed, don't want to win at anything in fear of losing. There are people who live their life in constant fear of failing. What if it doesn't work? What if I mess up? What if I hurt someone? What if... It doesn't go the way that I plan. What if, what if, what if? But what if I told you tonight that God wants to see you be victorious? What if I told you tonight that God wants to see you blessed and He wants to see your family saved? What if I told you I know what you're going through and I know what you're facing and God knows right where you're at and He does not want you to lose this battle that you are in And he has a purpose and a plan. And if you will heed the word of the Lord and you will listen to his voice, then you can win a losing battle. What a comfort to know that scripture tells us the battle is not even ours. These children of God, both then and even children of God now, seem to have spiritual amnesia sometimes. In our small group, the last go around, we were talking about the children of Israel in this same storyline and how... How did they get to a place so quickly where they had forgotten all that God had done? He didn't just bring food and put on their table, but he did some miracles that would leave us just in complete awe. Some of us would still be just standing at the Red Sea with our mouth open just in unbelief. You wouldn't even be at church tonight. You'd still be out there at the water just... But God had done so much for them and it was miracle after miracle after miracle. And they sat and watched the goodness of God. They watched him bring their family out of bondage, out of Egypt. They watched him through ten plagues protect and keep their family and then lead them through a Red Sea. He did all of that protecting them. And yet these people had somewhere along the way forgotten all that God had done. And when God said, you know what, I'm going to promise you a land. I'm going to promise you a place that you can go to. It's yours. All you have to do is go and possess it. These people, they forgot very quickly every sickness he had healed, every prayer he had answered. They forgot the Egypt that he had brought them out of and the chains and the shackles that he had broken to make sure they were set free. You can begin reading in Genesis and start looking at all that God does for his people And you see some who forget, and you see some who are unthankful. Sure, there were some that responded in a good, positive way, but some just had to become realist. They had to look at life and say, you know what, I know God is able to do this, but I also know what the doctor is telling me. I know that God can do this, but I also know there is an enemy out there who seeks to devour me. I know that God is able to make a way where there is no way, but there's really no way. And they found themselves between a rock and a hard place, and they were frustrated, and they just had to be real because life is very real. And some forgot, and some had some rainy days, and some had experiences that they wanted to forget, and some had losses in their life that they did not want to do again. In our text tonight, God tells them, I have set a land before thee. I want you to go and I want you to possess it. It's already yours. You just have to go and take it. God is telling them the prize is there waiting for you. I want you to go and claim it. But it's just like humanity for some guys to get together and say, well, God, I understand what you're saying, but 
me and my friends, we've been talking. We've assessed the situation and we looked at what you're asking of us and and there's going to be an enemy that we're going to come up against. So we've come up with an idea. We're going to go to Moses and we're going to say, Moses, we need to send 12 people and go spy out the land. And we need to make sure everything's okay. We need to size up our enemy. We need to make sure it's all good and dandy so we can go and we can take it just like God said. But there's one problem. That's not what God told them to do. He said, it's already yours. I need you to go and possess it. I need you to go and take it. Go and lay claim on it. It's yours. It belongs to you. But we make things more difficult and we try to strategize things and we try to say, well, God, have you thought about doing it this way? God, have you tried doing it our way? We've, we've talked about it and we think that our way might actually benefit us a little bit. In Numbers, God kind of just says, okay, you've already made up your mind. Go do what you want to do. If you've already been talking and conspiring, then go and find some 12 men out of each one out of each tribe and I want you to send them to go spy out the land. You've already made up your mind and conspired against me. Go do it. So these men come up to Moses and they in their own way present the idea and they want Moses to know, "Look, we we come up with this idea and we think that this is a better way than the way that was told to us because I don't want to go into a battlefield blind." And in our humanity, we're sitting here like, why didn't they just do what God told them to do? Hello. I need to look at myself in the mirror sometime and ask the same question. But we, we look at the scene from outside looking in, and we've got our own opinion and our own ideas of how it should be. But these men kind of were the same way we would probably respond. If God told you, hey, I don't want you to worry about it. I want you to just go, just run right in there and... Take claim and just do what you got to do. That's easier said than done. But they said, you know what, Moses, we want to go and we want to make sure that we, we do this the right way. And so Moses asked them what their plan is. And they said, well, first we want to go and we want to take a look at our enemy. We want to take a look at the land and the enemy that's there. And we want to size up our enemy. That's that's never a good start. When you've already got your mind made up that you want to size up the person you're going to fight against when God already promised you victory. What you're saying is, God, I know that you can take care of this, but I've got to see if I can take care of this. If he's big enough or little enough for me to handle, then we don't need you. But if he's a big fella, then I'm going to come back and I'm going to need you to help me out here. They were saying, God, let us go look to see if we think we can do it. In our own efforts, in our own abilities, let's see if we can take down this enemy. And, you know, it's a lot like when David went out on the battlefield and that giant was there, Goliath, and he was saying, send me a man. And this young boy named David stepped up to the plate and they're telling him, David, you've got to fight fire with fire. Look, he has a helmet. You're going to need a helmet. He's got a sword. You're going to need a sword. We're measuring up this giant, and what you have is nothing compared to what he has. And so they said, well, he has armor. Here, David, you need some armor. But David said, no, I don't fight fire with fire. I fight fire with faith. And he said, you know what, Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. He knew that if I go one-on-one with this guy, I'm going to get my socks knocked off. If this young shepherd boy just said, you know what, I I don't need to to go through my routine and my prayers and do what God has asked me to do, but I'm going to let them just dress me up because we've measured this guy and I've got to compete with him. So whatever they're giving me to help, it'll help me. But David said, no, I come with faith. I come in the name of the Lord. I come with the Lord on my side and I know that this giant will be defeated. Boy, what this shepherd boy knew that these 12 men who were notable men, one leader of every tribe to go, this young shepherd boy outsmarted them all. But in their unbelief, these men went to Moses, proposing they send spies in, checking everything out. Moses, believing the men, and he thought that they were sincere, he agreed to let them go. They come back with fruit they had gotten in the land, and they start, oh, it's a good land. 
Oh, we've got great stuff over there, and it's just like God promised. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And, boy, Moses is over there getting excited, and, oh, this is what God promised us. And, and in front of the preacher, they're talking a good talk. In front of everybody else in church, they're worshiping and they're excited and they're building up the kingdom of God and talking about all this good stuff that God is about to do. But then they went home and they got into their house where nobody else could hear them. They got on the phone where it was just brother so-and-so and and sister so-and-so and they were murmuring in the tent is what the Bible says or backbiting or gossiping or whispering. And they started saying, man. I don't know if we can do this. After we went and saw the enemy that we're going to be facing, I really don't think this is possible. And this one called that one, and they went to tent to tent, and they began murmuring in the tent, talking about the man of God. They began talking about the plan that God had set in motion. And they began murmuring in the tent, saying, oh, I don't, I don't know if this could happen. I don't, I don't know if this can go down the way that Moses has told us it could go down. And there were children in the tent who were having to hear mommies and daddies talk about the man of God. And there were children and young people in the home who were he- having to hear their mom and dad talk about the plan of God and how their ways were, was going to be better than God's way. And confusion just swept across the land. And they got in their tents and they began murmuring and complaining. And they talked bad about God. They talked about his plan. They talked about Moses and Aaron, and it spread from tent to tent to tent. This one told that one, and before you know it, there was a whole lot of people who had their heads filled with unbelief. You know what's frustrating sometimes is when you see somebody who doesn't want to live for God, and they don't like God's plan for their life, and they don't like what the church is doing, and they don't like what the pastor is doing. They have a really hard time just keeping their mouth shut. And going and doing their own thing. But when somebody's got a problem like that, they go to this one and they go to that one. And that they cause dissension and division in the church. And they start saying, well, I don't think it takes all of that. And I don't think we have to do all of that. If that's the attitude you have, I pray that God really turns your heart. But I also pray that God would help you to keep your mouth shut and you go out on your own. Don't try to take a bunch of people with you just because you don't believe the word of the Lord. Don't try to tear a church apart because you don't think that God can do it. You just say, you know what? This isn't for me, and that's all right. It's not for everybody. The Bible says it's to them that would receive. If you don't want to live this way anymore and you're ready to throw in the towel, I pray God changes your heart. But do not be a murmur in the tent and go to this one and that one and try to cause division. The Bible says they said our brothers have discouraged our heart. What a tragedy. Not my friend outside at work. Not my next door neighbor. Not, not the person out on the road that's driving like a maniac. Not them. It's, it was my brothers that discouraged my heart. When I thought I could do it, when I thought I could see God's promised land, my brothers came in and told me I would never see that promised land. Shame on those brothers. My brother told me the enemy is bigger than we are. My brother told me there's an easier way. My brother told me that it doesn't take all of that. My brother told me I was better off in bondage. The Bible says that they came and they said, well, well, even our wives and our children, they're, they're going to be abused and they're going to be hated and they're all this crazy talk. They said, we were better off in Egypt. We were better off in bondage. We, we were better off somewhere else. But God brought us here to let us die from a totally different enemy. But Moses hears the people upset and he encourages those who would hear him. He said, listen up. The Lord your God which goeth before you, he shall fight for you. Moses says, you've seen God do miracle after miracle, and you've seen all he has brought you out of. And yet, in this thing, ye did not believe the Lord your God. 
The same God who has gone before you and protected you. The same God that was a pillar of fire and a cloud by day. He helped you cross that Red Sea on dry ground. Is the same God promising you victory today. And you believed Him in all of that. And you trusted in God in all of that. And now this, this is the thanks that He gets. This is the praise that He gets. And when God heard this, he told them that none of them, save Caleb and Joshua and their families, and those precious little ones that were in the tent when mom and dad was murmuring, and God put his hand around their ears and protected them so they wouldn't have to hear all of that, it would be those that would be able to enter into that promised land. God was even upset with Moses for letting all of this happen the way that it did. And he told Moses that he would not even be able To enter into that promised land. So God looked down and he told them. Turn and take your journey elsewhere. He told them hit the road Jack. And don't you come back. No more. Oh and here come the whiners. Oh Lord we have sinned against you. Oh God I'm so sorry. Oh God please don't make us go away. Please don't. Boy, how quickly their chain, their tune changed in just a matter of moments of hearing that they would now have to be wanderers in a wilderness again. How quickly their attitude and perspective changed on life when now God has told them, you're not entering into this promised land anymore. You know, it's amazing how quickly our attitude can change in situation. Remington, he likes to act up every once in a while. I know y'all don't believe that. But in moments where he doesn't do what we're asking, and so the words have to come out, Remington, you're going to get in trouble. And then it comes, oh, no, Daddy, I love you. Oh, I want a hug, Daddy. Oh, give me a hug. Putting the smile on and the charm. It happens. Anybody ever been there? You try to get on to your kids, and then all of a sudden, boy, their attitude changes real quick, and they're smiling, and they're happy, and they're... God experienced that with these people here, these spies and their families that were now having to be wanderers. But he tells them, you will not be entering into this promised land, but only those who believed the good report. He says, I want to tell Moses to tell them, do not go and fight. Tell those people, do not go and fight because I am not with them anymore. Moses said, I spoke these words to you and you would not hear and you refused to listen. You thought you knew best. And the Amorites came down and chased you as bees do and destroyed you. Then those that survived that had to wander in a wilderness until all the doubters and complainers had died. What had happened was these people had gotten to a place where now... They were going to be stuck wandering again. But they came up with another plan once again. Well, God says that, that he, He's not going to let us do this and He's not going to let us do that. And, and we're so repentant and we're so sorry. And, and now we're ready to fight. God never told them to fight. He said, go and possess the land. Go and take the land. It's already taken care of. It's already paid for. That fight has already been fought. Go and take it. But they've confused themselves so much that now they think, well, we've got to go fight the very enemy we were sizing up and didn't think we could make it and we didn't think we could do it. And they said, Moses said, don't go do that because God is not with you. Oh, no, we've got to fight them. We've got to we've got to revenge ourselves and we've got to get back to where God was calling us to. And we've got to get to that promised land. And now they're desperate and they're doing all that they can. And Moses is telling them, do not go do it. But man, they knew better. And they go up there ready to fight. Every man had his sword. He was ready to go to to work. And he got out there. And the Bible says these Amorites chase them as bees do. Any of you chased by bees? You get chased by a bee and you having a bad day. But to be chased by bees is a very, very bad day. You're running, darting all over the place. In fear that you might get stung. These people were being destroyed. And they were running for their lives. They were fighting a losing battle. 
They were fighting and wasting their energy, doing all that they could to survive. But at the end of the day, God told them, you're going to lose if you go to fight this battle. So the answer today is very simple. How do you win a losing battle? You don't go fight it. Because God already said that it's yours. The victory is already yours. That promised land is already yours. But you frustrate it and you say, God, I'm taking it out of your hand and I'm putting it into my hands and our hands. And you've got a very big problem. But you take that very big problem and you say, I've got it in my hands, but I'm putting it in your hands. Then God is going to take care of every single situation, every single giant that is before you, every single situation you're going to face. God said, I'm already taken care of it, but you've got to trust my word and you've got to put it in my hand. I know your enemy. I've already sized him up long before you did. I'm the one who created him. I know what I'm telling you to step in. God, you don't know what you're telling me to step into. I don't know what's on the other side of this mountain. And God's saying, I already know what's on the other side of this mountain. I'm asking you to go. I'm asking you to step into this territory. Well, God, I don't know what's in this territory. I know what's in this territory. I want you to go. Well, we like to argue with God until he tells us, that he's just going to let it fall right in our lap and just what a day that'll be. You mean I could come to church and just sit there and not do anything and one of these days it's just going to fall and just hit me right between the eyes? I doubt it. But glory to God if he does it. But when you come into the house of God and you say, God, I want to get involved in what's going on and I want to hear your word. And if you're telling me there's a promised land that I get to, God, help me to be a Joshua and a Caleb to come back and say, I know the enemy is great. I know the enemy is strong, but I know the one who is stronger. I know the one who is greater. I know the one who's going to help me get to this promise because I know what it was like to have shackles on my hands and my feet. I know what it was like to watch my children have to slave in the hot sun every day and to give their life to a Pharaoh. I know what it's like to live a life in bondage and watch God work miracle after miracle through a man named Moses who couldn't even speak very well and had a staff in his hand and a brother that was there to help him. I watched as God used one man and his brother to help set an entire people of God free. So I know that God can do this. I was there at the Red Sea and I saw the great number of people and I watched as God not only had a pillar of fire, but he had cloud of protection around us. And I watched as water that is there began to split wide open and the people of God began to walk on dry ground. I was a part of that number. So now that I see this enemy and this adversary that I'm facing, now that we've measured them up and we know what we're up against, I know there's ten that are saying we can't do it. But I've come to tell you we can. I've come to tell you we don't have to even fight this battle. I've come to tell you that I've seen what God has promised us and I want to be a part of it. There's a church today that God has another promised land. He has another place He's trying to push us. And I pray to God there would be people of God that would remember all that He's done for us. And then when we come to tomorrow's enemy... We would say, I know that it's great and I know that it's strong, but my God is greater and my God is stronger. I know what He did for me on Sunday night. I know the bar stool that He brought me from and He brought me to an altar of repentance and He saved my life. And thanks be to God for it. We have all no doubt had those battles where it feels like nothing is going right. Murphy's Law is in full effect. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. We get tired and we get frustrated by life. And it is in moments of frustration we hear, I am tired of fighting a losing battle. People of God who get tired of fighting a losing battle and they just give up. They're tired of losing their energy. They give all that they can and see little to no result. When you fight a losing battle, you will exhaust yourself. For nothing. It aggravates me that we have this mindset in our world that says everyone gets to be a winner. Every person on the team gets a trophy because we're all winners. 
Boy, I'm thankful that we give our kids a boost of confidence there. But there's days that they're going to grow up and they're not going to win. And they've got to know that that day is coming. And there's going to come a day where I'm going to do something and I'm not going to get a trophy. I'm going to get a pink piece of paper because of something I did wrong. I'm going to go to school and I'm going to say something to the teacher. And I'm not getting a trophy for what I said to the teacher. I'm getting sent to detention. There are times in life where we suffer loss and we suffer frustrating things and we don't get to just get our way everywhere we want and every place we go. It's not Burger King every day everywhere. You fight a losing battle. You exhaust yourself for nothing. Everyone that has this mindset, they're, they're in for a treat someday. You know, sometimes life knocks you down and sometimes the other team played better than your team and you lose. Sunday, come to the softball tournament, there's going to be somebody who loses. I want to just let some of y'all know that so you don't get bitter on Sunday. I came to win. Amen, I came to win too. But I might lose. There's a good possibility, a 50-50 chance, believe it or not, that you will lose. That can be very difficult for us because sometimes we give our all and still lose. You use all of your energy to fight this fight, but the result is still the same. And so why give it our all when I've got energy that I can save and use for later? And I don't want to give it all on an opportunity of nothing but failure. This losing battle we are fighting, it will drain you and it is insanity. It's doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and you expect a different result and yet nothing changes. That will wear you down. Can anybody testify to that? That going through life struggles and you're, you're stuck in a rut and you're just trying every day to get out of it but you're doing the same thing over and over and you're just not helping yourself It gets exhausting. It is a carousel of disappointment. Each time you make a turn, you think, man, maybe the scenery is going to change a little bit. Maybe I'm going to see a breakthrough here in just a minute. Maybe it's going to have an exciting turn for me, and I'll think I'm on a roller coaster of my life. But again, it's just round and round and round we go. You think things have changed and they haven't. You think the addiction left on its own, but it's still there. You thought the mistake would be gone by now. But every single day, every single turn, it's still there. And you cannot get off of this carousel. It tells you you've been here before. You've been here before. You've been here before. It reminds you of the person that you used to be. They could say they were free from the Egyptian bondage all day long. But it had a stronger hold on them than they had ever realized. Because they equated the physical chains to be the thing that was holding them captive. But the chains in their mind were stronger than any shackle around their feet. Because look at what happened when adversity arose in their life. Their minds did not go back to God's last miracle. When they got to the place where they saw the adversary and they saw the next enemy they would face, they did not go back to the very last miracle that God did for them, which probably would have been a boost of faith to say, well, God just did this. I know he can do that. But instead, they went all the way back to Egypt. They went all the way back to that place of bondage. They went all the way back and said, well, we could have stayed there. We could have been stuck in that lifestyle and we could have stayed there and and been a lot better off than we are here. It's amazing how sometimes our past can take such a hold of our mind that we think we're free and we think we're walking in freedom and living in freedom, but our mind is still stuck in Egypt. Every time adversity strikes, we live in fear because it takes us back to that place and that person that we used to be. It's fighting a losing battle. You're doing all you can to live for God, but something comes up on Monday morning and immediately God God is trying to do something in you, but your mind can't help but go back to that person you used to be. Adversity arose. Their minds went back to that place of bondage. 
And we fault them a lot for their reaction to God and His promises, but I see us doing the same thing. Because of people's bad attitude, they, they fought a losing battle. And when all of the while, had they just listened to God, it would have been a battle they would have never had to fight. But then those that remain, God caused them to wander. They never could make any progress because God had them wandering. They never could make any progress because every time they turn a left turn, they turn a left turn, they were on that vicious carousel and they were wandering in this wilderness and never getting to receive that promise that they had heard about. What it must have been for those ten that got to see it with their eyes and got to bring back fruit and got to bring back a sign of that promise and to see it and know, man, what could have been. Had I only believed what God was telling me. Had I only listened to the man of God in my life. Had I only taken that promise that God had given me and pursued it. I would not have had to fight this losing battle. And now not only me. But my family. And every person I open my mouth to. And every person I murmured in the tent with. Every single one of us is having to walk around until we die, never receiving that promise. What a terror to live with that in your mind every day. You see, they, they could never make any progress because God had them wandering. You know, Scripture tells us in the New Testament that when people don't have a love for the truth, God will turn them over to a strong delusion. God will cause them to wander. There are still people wandering today. They're in their own wilderness. They're on their own carousel of chaos and they cannot get off of it. And they just think one day they're going to see their victory. But until they listen to the voice of God and until they get to a place where they say, God, I know you've done it before. You've done it for me. You've done it for my family. I know you can do it again and I trust you. Until they get to that place, they're going to spend a lifetime wandering, wondering when they're going to get to God. Wondering when they're going to get to that promised land. They talked about the man of God. They talked about God and His plan. They mocked, they murmured, they whispered, they gossiped. They questioned the message because they questioned the messenger. And so God caused them to wander. You know they were disappointed. You know they were aggravated that they were losing a battle that should have been very easy for them to win. God had promised them, the land is yours. How much simpler could it have gotten? And you know what? God offers us blessing after blessing. He offers us freedom. He offers us redemption. He's saying, whatever you want, it's yours. Everything you want or need, I've given it to you. I've fought every fight. I've purchased you with my own blood. I've made a way of escape for you in any situation that you face. Every temptation you face. All you have to do is resist the devil and he will flee from you. I've done all of that. But we fight losing battles. If you're tired of fighting a losing battle every day. You're tired of the same results. You're tired of losing. And you're tired of failing. And you just want to win. Would you stand? I told you earlier, the way that you're going to win this losing battle is to stay out of it. Is to let God have His way and say, God, I trust you. God, you've been too good to me. You've been too good to my family. God, I know the things that you've brought us out of. I know every time you've brought us through. God, I know every time you've healed us. God, but sometimes through life we forget to think about those things. God, instead of thinking about yesterday's provisions and yesterday's miracles and your hand that was upon our life yesterday, God, we often go back to yesterday's struggles and yesterday's frustrations. God, and that's a reason we get stuck in this vicious cycle. God, that's why we need people of God around us. That's why we need our family and friends. That's why we need Wednesday night church services. 
So we can come into the house of God and worship. And we can testify of the goodness of God. We can remind others around us the things that God has done for us. We can remind our brothers and sisters what God did for me last year. We can tell them about God's provision, God's healing power. And when you begin to do that, faith begins to rise. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. No wonder Caleb and Joshua came back and was trying to build confidence and faith. No wonder they were coming back saying, I I know that we can do this. We can do this. We can all make it together. They were building faith in the people of God. They were reminding him, don't you remember what he did for us back in Egypt? Don't you remember what he did for you last year? Don't forget what he brought your family out of. And it was those people that God looked at and he said, all right, come on. I'm taking you to that promised land. I'm sorry you're going to have to walk with these people for a little while until they all go away. But for those of you that have stuck with me, those of you that have heard my word, those of you that have went and you saw it with your own eyes and you know what I've done for you, I'm going to save you and your family and I'm going to save those that don't know any better, those that I protected from the murmurs. Those are the ones that I'm going to take into this promised land. Let God fight the battle for you. Chronicles told us the battle is not ours. It is the Lord's. He did not ask you to fight all your battles. He said he would fight them for you. He told you to take it. It's yours. You can choose to be a Caleb and a Joshua and say, I know the problems are big, but my God is bigger. I know the report is not a good report, but I also know what God told me. I know what He promised me. I know what He promised me in the prayer room. I know what He promised me when I was driving in my car praying. I know what He told my family. I know what God spoke to our church. And I know what the enemy looks like. I know people have come back talking about it. I know they've come back trying to get in my ear and into my tent and tell me all that's going on in our world. But you know what? I don't need to hear all of that. Because I heard what God said. I heard what the man of God spoke to my life. And He told me that I can be an overcomer. He told me that I can come out of this thing victorious. He told me that I can win this battle. And the way that I do that is trust in Him. And say, God, I know that if I go fight, God, I'm going to lose. But if I fight with You on my side, and I let You go before me, and I let You take care of that battle for me, God, that I'm going to get to enter in, and I'm going to get to enjoy the spoils of war. I'm going to get to enjoy a land that is flowing of milk and honey. I'm going to get to enjoy, God, everything You promised for me and my family and all the ones that are coming with me. God, all we've got to do is believe Your report. There is coming a day, we sang about it tonight, there is coming a day where we are going to go to a better place. And I want it to be said of us that when life calls the enemy to come in and and we had situations that we were going to be facing in our life, it'd be real easy for us to look at that and say, well, I'm not worthy and, and, and I know God's got a plan, but I need a backup plan just in case His plan falls through. I need a doomsday box in my basement in case he doesn't decide to take me or he misses me or something. Perhaps I was somewhere where he couldn't find me when he came back. Or we could get to that place where we say, God, I've heard your word. I know what this word says. I know what I need to do to be saved. I know what I need to do to be make sure my family makes it with me. I know that I'm to tell my children of what this Word says and not go into the tent peeping and murmuring, but opening up this book and saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You must repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's what our children need to be hearing. That's what our young people need to be hearing when they go home. They need to be hearing a good report. They need to be hearing it come from your mouth and saying, Boy, did you hear what pastor preached on Sunday. Boy, did you feel the Spirit of God in that place on Sunday. 
It felt like revival in that house on Sunday. It felt like God was doing something on Wednesday night. Surely God is doing something and I want our family to be a part of it. Come on, family, let's go worship. Come on, let's go believe the report of the Lord. Come on, let's go take that land that God promised to us. Don't worry about what the person in the next row is saying. I know what God spoke to me. I know what God told my family that's going to happen. I know the promises that God gave people about this church. And I'm walking into that promise tonight. Amen. Amen. Statistics aren't good if you're looking for statistics of people who are going to jump on board with you. Out of 12, there were two that came back with a good report. So statistics aren't very good for you tonight unless you all decide to have a change of mind. And say, you know what, I want us to all join together. And I want us to all have a made up mind to say, you know what, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the news says. I don't want to know what the newspaper says tomorrow. I don't care. All I want to know is what does the Word of God say. All I want to know is, God, I know you're still there, God, but I want you to remind me tonight, and you have in your Word, that you're still there. You're still promising me a land, God, that is flowing with more than milk and honey. God, and I want to do all that I can to be there. Would you lift your hands with me all over this house? Lord, we love you tonight. God, I pray right now that you would move over this place. God, I pray that you would help us to begin to walk towards that promise. God, to take that first step of faith. God, if there's anybody in here, I open these altars right now. God, that would like to step out and come to this altar. God, and to declare, God, that we are going to believe your report. God, it doesn't matter what the news says. It doesn't matter what the enemy is telling us. God, it don't even matter what our brothers are telling us. God, the only thing that matters is what your word has said. God, help me tonight. God, help me for myself. Help me to do it for my family. Help me to do it for my friends. God, I'm tired of fighting a losing battle. God, I'm tired of everything I do. God, I feel like it crumbles and fails. Oh, so tonight, God, I'm letting go. God, and I'm putting my trust in you again. Oh, I'm putting my family in your hand again. Oh, ha yada bo sata ba ha yada bo kota.